0: Welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living, a show where we talk to experts who've taken a wild idea and made it a reality so you can too. From people who have sailed around the world to those who've started thriving businesses and even broken records, some of the wildest ideas can lead to the most rewarding adventures. I'm your host, Shelby Stanger, and I hope you enjoy this show. This is episode 17 with traveling yoga instructor and activist, Amy Ippoliti. This episode was brought to you by Prana. Prana makes kick-ass clothes made to go everywhere you go, whether it's from work, surfing, yoga, the gym, and so much more. They also keep the environment in mind when they make their products, so you can feel good about wearing them. And they sponsor some badass athletes, including Amy Ippoliti, Chris Sharma, and Chris Burkhardt, who've all been on this show. I recently took a pair of pants called the Halley Pant on an overnight hiking trip, they completely held up, looked good, and made me feel great hiking in them all day long. If you go to prana.com right now, you can get any full-priced item for 20% off when you enter the code wildideas Today's guest, Amy Ippoliti, has the dream job of a traveling yoga teacher. She also just, I realized, is on the cover of A yoga magazine that I just saw at the grocery store says she's no joke. She's been doing this for years. She started in the 80s, learning yoga, teaching shortly after, at a time when it was really just up and coming. Today, she's a faculty member at the Omega Institute, Echelon, and Creepaloo. She's a regular presenter at the Yoga Journal conferences, the Asia Yoga Conference, Wanderlust, and so many more. She's also a Prana ambassador. So, thanks to Prana for introducing us to each other. And she has some unique views when it comes to the business of teaching yoga, as well as how to promote conservation through beauty and yoga. So let's welcome Amy Ippoliti to the show. All right. So today we have Amy Ippoliti, probably one of the most fascinating women I know because she has a job as a traveling yoga teacher which to me is like the ultimate dream job. Amy, welcome to Wild Ideas Worth Living. Super excited to have you on again. Thank you so much. You're welcome. And so just so the audience knows, Amy and I actually did try this before, but our internet connection wasn't cooperating. So this is sort of round two, which is good. In between, Amy, you you took off, you went to Mexico and then Southeast Asia to teach yoga, which to me is like, so insane. Can can you talk a little bit about <laughs> where you went and any highlights? Just a little, like, two-minute rundown? Yeah. Well, I started out with a retreat in
1: uh, the Baja Peninsula in La Paz, and we got to swim with sea lions, which was a total joy. They're like aquatic puppies. And then awesome. um had, like, one, one night at home and flew out the next day uh, Thailand, so we taught in Bangkok, then did some island hopping in the southern islands on the days off, Then we jetted over to Kuala Lumpur for a crazy workshop, and after that, flew to Bali for the days off, and we were at an Ayurvedic spa and retreat center that was off the charts. Um, (laughs) It's just an all-inclusive Ayurvedic food and daily double-treatment and, oh, my God, it was incredible. Then we headed over to Jakarta and taught uh, four days of workshops with the most extraordinary, diverse group of yogis, so much enthusiasm. And and uh, I flew home and that was it. Wow. <laughs> Quite something. Three weeks on the road or almost four weeks.
0: That sounds amazing. Can, can we go back to this Ayurvedic spa? I guess it's like almost lunchtime sure. for me. What, what kind of food do they serve there? And what did you do?
1: Well, it was, you know, it was Indian food, but without all the like super heavy spices and grease and kind of thing, it was like Ayurvedically prepared um, gourmet food, chefs kind of stuff. Um, really interesting vegetarian and lots of veggies, lots of rice, um, beautiful spices. There was fresh ghee that you could pour over it. And there was always like a chutney, whether it was like an apple chutney or a coconut chutney.
0: Uh, God, it was just, I'm kind of salivating thinking about the food. Sounds incredible. And then did you like, were and there the like... daily treatment. Yeah, I was going to ask so, you the treatments. What were those? So every day we had a Byanga, which is like massage
1: with tons of sesame oil. And um, they did a, a foot bath, head and neck massage, head, neck and shoulders. Then they put you on the table and they oiled you down with um a two hands massage. So two people doing it. And then it finished with like twenty minutes of shiroda which is where they pour the oil over your forehead and it like drains down onto your scalp and it's the most menacing treatment. And then you know, then you're done off and later they they give you a facial while um, another dude is uh, doing a foot massage. You're getting foot massage and then a facial at the same time on your bed. Mm-hmm. It was really wow. the most heavenly thing I've ever done. And Is it <laughs> expensive? So, Sukhavati. Sukhavati are... Bali. It's not that bad. Not that bad.
0: Sukhavati Bali. It was quite amazing. Sukhavati Bali. Can you spell that?
1: S-U-K-H-V-A-T-I Bali. And then retreat.
0: Okay, we're going to put so that in the show notes. Um, where
1: where is beach. it in? Oh, yeah. It's inland from the beach, about 30 minutes. So it's on a river. So it's a really sort of lush jungle kind of feeling with, you know, pool and um, just gorgeous. Just gorgeous.
0: It sounds amazing. What type of workshops were you teaching? Like When you taught these yoga workshops, what type of yoga and about how many people came?
1: Yes, we had, um, at every training or every workshop, we had a a teacher training to start out uh, just to work with the local teachers in the area. And then over the weekend, we did a um, mixed-level alignment-based workshop. And we had, um, gosh, and it really varied from city to city, but, you know, 40 to 65 people in each
0: of the different cities so really, something. And what type of workshop was it called? It's just yoga workshop. It's just yoga. What type of yoga yeah. are you teaching? Doing yoga. Um, it's sort of an alignment-based, slow
1: form of yoga, and it has a tantric philosophy.
0: Okay, so you just said the magic words, like, well, a bunch of them. So you teach kind of this yoga alignment, which is a little different than just straight vinyasa focusing on aligning, and then you, you throw in some Tantra. Can you can you break that down? Because, because my mind is probably going somewhere where it shouldn't go. So maybe I'm not thinking about it in the right way.
1: Yeah, everyone always does. Everybody's always does. If you look up Tantra on Google, you're going to get 600 sex sites. But Tantra is actually a school of yoga. And just like um, classical yoga, the school of yoga, just like Advaita Vedanta, it's just that... Yoga, when it came over to the West, was more influenced by Vedanta and classical yoga. But the yoga that I teach is influenced by the Tantric School of Yoga, which really only 1% of it is actually about sex. <laughs> it's, it's a philosophy of life that um, says yes to life, um, it celebrates being alive, it sees life as being a blessing, not a problem to be solved. Um, and it's quite, it's quite a liberating um, philosophy of yoga. Uh, not aesthetical, not moving away from the world or trying to withdraw from the world and find spirit. It's more finding spirit within the world. Um, really, really uh, happy and realistic. I think we could say like really real. It's a very real philosophy of life, and it gives you incredible life skills, and that's that's the philosophy that I teach um, alongside my yoga. So a little bit different than what um, came over from the east to the west, and this shows. Those schools were informed, um, or yoga was informed quite differently back when it first transitioned from India. So so Tantra comes along a bit later, and it just wasn't what informed hatha yoga in the United States and asana in the United States. So mine's a bit different that way. So kind of that's what we were teaching, and it (laughs) received fun.
0: Yeah, so I guess having never been to your yoga class, if we were to walk into your yoga class today, and I'm guessing it's about an hour and a half or so, what can I experience that I don't normally experience in my traditional vinyasa or hatha class?
1: Uh, well, probably you'd get, um, I've, well, I've been told anyway that classes with me are really fun. So like I'm not serious. When I teach, there's definitely um, a, an element of joy and fun Um you will also get I don't know, you'll get like the real you'll get like the real me um you don't get yoga voice, you're gonna get the same that's outside the room that's in the room uh and in terms of philosophy, there's gonna be talk of of how we can live our lives more skillfully and with more um, with more consciousness and self discovery self inquiry. As opposed to just like inhale, do this, exhale, matter. that, or trying to get you to sweat a lot and have a workout. It's not going to be purely physical. It's going to leave you thinking about things and asking the larger questions about life.
0: Okay. So now, now I really want to come to your yoga class because I'm all about comedy <laughs> yoga. Like <Yay. laughs> sometimes, you know, I, sometimes I just giggle in yoga classes at inappropriate times. And maybe that's my maturity levels, but that does sound interesting. And in the, the 1% of Tantra, that's sex, also sounds really interesting. But you know, you started teaching yoga, it sounds like, really young. When did you start getting into yoga? How old were you and how did you get into yoga?
1: Yeah, I was 16 and my um, mom and I were working out at this, I kind of like a typical over-exercising teenager. And my mom and I were working out at this fitness studio. And I was working at the desk in order to work trade for and they put yoga on the schedule and I didn't really think much of it, but my mom asked if I wanted to join her and take and try it. Let's try yoga. And I was like, all right, sure. So we went and it was super far out. It was um, back in the 80s and the teacher was, you know, like really (laughs) woo-woo. You know, that's kind of how yoga was uh, back then. So uh, I, I thought it was really fascinating I was at this stage in my life where I was dealing with some mean girls in school and kind of dealing with popularity contests. And here at yoga, it wasn't about that. It was about asking the bigger questions like, who are you and why are you here? And you got that sort of mystical feeling when you were in this woman's class. And that was really what I needed. I needed to know that there was more to life than popularity contests. So it, it at first it was like, oh, it's this thing going on at my my fitness studio, but then I realized that it was answering a larger question for me about the mystery of who I was. And I was ready for that because I was sick of the superficial stuff at school. I was really over it and feeling like I had to just be a social outcast because I just didn't want to deal with all the popularity stuff. And so it really, it really filled a a gap for me that was unexpected and I dove right into it and totally got hooked. So
0: It's so great that yoga is available for teens now. You really were like an anomaly. Mm -hmm. What decade was this, Amy? Can I ask? It was the 80s. It was the 80s. So we're going to ask you how you look. Like you're like Benjamin Buttons, I just said. You look so young if you started in the 80s. (laughs) You said you have a blog about this, right? Why you look so young?
1: Somewhere. Yeah, I'm I'm really into skincare. So that may be why my I look a little younger than I do. Thank you so much for saying that. Um yeah, I have a blog I have a blog on skincare because I got asked all these questions, why is your skin the way it is? And I finally just like wrote out what I do. But I also think yoga really keeps you young. The time reverses the flow of gravity. And gravity I think is a big part of what makes us look older. So if you go upside down a lot, which I'm addicted to, you're gonna get uh, you're gonna get that youthful look, and I think yogis get that a lot. How much time do so. you spend
0: upside down a day? Just out of curiosity. <laughs> at, least, at least a
1: minute at or least, more, at least depending on moment. what kind of practice I get in. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm pretty <laughs> addicted. Like I see a wall and I want to kick up against it. <laughs>
0: So funny, Johnny and I, my fiance and I, we do handstands like everywhere we go, except for he's good and he can stick them. And And I make, yeah, I make him stand right behind me, but it's so fun. I agree. Like being inverted is an incredible, incredible feeling. So how long, how long have you been teaching yoga now? How many years has it been? Uh, About 20 years, maybe more, 21. I've lost count. Wow. That's great. So, so my guess is, I mean, you have this kind of a dream job. You get to teach and travel around the world to great places for work. You know, this show is about living wildly and following your passions. And I'm just wondering, it's a two part question, but do you have any advice to give to people who want to make a living following their passions? Because a lot of people have a hard time making money following their passion. And then you're also in this field where it's like a little bit of a contradiction to make money following your passion. And you've spoken a lot about that. So can you just briefly give any advice about making a living, following your passion and to also answer the question about, you know, the business of yoga and this idea that you should do it for free, but that's, you know, yeah. talk, talk about that.
1: Well, I think you know, when I was young I and out of college, I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career and a friend of mine from college said, you know, it's probably just the best thing to do is like do something arbitrary, like don't pursue something, just do something arbitrary. Like what, what's kind of jumping out at you and just do that. And so I did, I worked at a environmental department store, boutique in in Soho. And I was my younger sister's nanny for a little while. I taught self I taught fitness classes, I even tried acting for a little while, and just, you know, whatever kind of jumped up at me, I would do almost arbitrarily, and it's funny, because all that time, I kept going to yoga, like, I kept practicing yoga, and um, I had read a book, um, you know, something parachute, but it was like,
0: oh, you know, yeah. what do what you your love, parachute? and the money
1: will follow, it was something, yeah, what color is your parachute, and I, you know, I read, that do what you love and the money will follow. And so I was just sort of, you know, like applying that philosophy to life. And lo and behold, you know, I got my, I found myself at a yoga workshop and um, that was different than taking the 90 minute classes that were available. And I noticed that, Oh my God, people are actually doing this as a career. Like people, there's yoga teachers here that, that, that have made this their lifestyle and that sort of planted a seed in my mind um, and so I feel like I was one of the younger um, teachers in my area. There were very few teachers that were in their 20s, I and mean, most were in their 40s. Um, but I, I eventually did take teacher training and feel like I was like in the right place at the right time to develop a reputation uh, back in the day. This was in the 90s and um, kind of rode the wave of yoga popularity when yoga sort of um, got noticed as this thing that Madonna did and Willem Dafoe and Sting and, you know, yoga kind of went from, from being this sleepy sort of fringe activity to this really big thing that's really popular. And I went from subbing classes and hardly being able to get jobs to being booked solid overnight, like had to say no to things. And so I I know that the yoga career climate has drastically changed. And I've written a book called *The Art and Business of Teaching Yoga*. You know, to kind of highlight how do we how do we you know make it in this crowded marketplace? Because it certainly wasn't like that when I started. I had trouble getting jobs because nobody wanted yoga. Then I went to being uh, valid and you know having to say no to jobs, and then seeing my own teacher training graduates struggling to get jobs because there were so many yoga teachers. So it really transitioned. And I think, um, you know, so now like if yoga teaching is something you want to do, it isn't necessarily the easiest, you know, to be like, oh, yeah, I'm a yoga teacher. And now I'm in this ultimate career you have to work extremely hard. Um, I feel like I was very, very lucky because I was at the right place at the right time. Um, That said, there's challenges with you know, being in this industry because it is a spiritual practice, and as such, people often confuse it with something spiritual like church, where you at best gave you know a good donation and a basket when it was passed around. You didn't pay for going to church, and so there's a lot of confusion around whether yoga should be free or not. but in fact, yoga is a spiritual practice, but it's also physical practice, it has hist- a historical element, it has a philosophical element, and as such is an education. And we pay for education. Your tuition is not free. So yoga educators should be paid, and yoga should not be free. And if you are, you know, doing free yoga, you're basically undermining people who are taking the, the career seriously and who are offering it as an education. So. Um, That's one paradigm that really needs to shift is that yoga is an education. It's not not just a spiritual practice and as such is not on a donation basis and it shouldn't be free. Um, But uh, yeah, nowadays it is harder to stand out. Um, That's why I wrote the book. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of things you have to do now that we didn't have to do back then to be a teacher. but. You know, I would say going back to like, how do you find your passion? It's like, do something arbitrary and, and keep doing what you love and then seeing, is there a way that this can be monetized? Because Lord knows you don't want to be doing a job where you're just waiting for vacation. You know, you, you want your job to feel like a vacation. In fact, when I taught just recently in Jakarta, it was just, I kept saying, you know, gosh, I'm really paid to travel, I'm not really paid to teach because of the teaching part I'm really enjoying. It's it so enjoyable to teach, and while I appreciate that there's a transaction for that, it's, for me it's really the what I'm getting paid for is the travel and and having spent so much and investing in myself and and my own education. That's what I'm really getting paid for. But doing the work is, is enjoyable, and I think when you're following your passion your work is enjoyable. And it it doesn't feel like you need a vacation. Yeah. If that makes
0: sense. Well, it's a great answer. Yeah. Vacation is always nice. But yeah. No, but when you were talking about the yoga teacher, the yoga training as well as I recently did a yoga teacher training and I paid for it. And I I didn't have like any desire to be a yoga Mm -hmm. teacher. But to me, it was so great to learn all about yoga and how to do it and to deepen my practice. And I used to make so much fun of yogis, I'm sorry to say, but I mean, there's a guy named JP something and he's like a, he's like an Instagram comedian who makes fun of yogis, but he's a total yogi himself. Oh, he's hilarious. I love him. Um, I adore him. Oh my God. But things like that, I I think it's great. You know, we talk a lot about success on the show and what I really like about you is you're not afraid to talk about failure because it's such a big part of growth can you maybe share a moment or a time that you've been, you've failed or have had some sort of challenge and what you do kind of, what are your sort of tactics to overcome any challenges you've had in the past?
1: I think, yeah, I mean, professionally one of the biggest failures I had early on was um, I was asked to, to run a teacher training and it was really new for me to, you know, to jump from just being a regular yoga teacher to actually training teachers. And so in my enthusiasm, I over, like I overpromised things that I couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't manage. Like I was, I was incapable of handling the amount of work that I promised to the students. And so the biggest thing I learned from that is, is, try to manage people's expectations so that you're not giving them like, Oh, you're going to get this and you're going to get get that. And I'm going to do this for you. And I'm going to do that for you. You should sign up, you know, (laughs) look how enthusiastic I am, look how much I'm offering. And then it's like, you're going to burn out. Try to deliver on all of that. So much better to, to not promise as much, but then over deliver. And I had some really big consequences of that because the students, in the training um were very you know understandably upset with me and they were not getting what they had been promised and they started talking behind my back and you know kind of spreading almost like a it's almost spread like a cancer um and so that was very that was very painful for me to have people upset with me but then not voicing it directly and telling other people as me and so the way that I learned from that was just to to fully plow into the communication and say, hey, would you meet with me and tell me what, you know, how can I improve and what did I do wrong? And some were honest with me and, you know, were able to talk and some, I think, were a little intimidated. But the ones that were able to share feedback really helped me grow. And I let them know, look, I don't want to do this again. I want to grow from this. And their feedback enabled me to realize that I had over promised and I had under delivered and therefore was able to shift myself and how I, you know, how I structured my offering in the future. And that that was everything, you know, is just admit that I had made a mistake, you know, admit that I wasn't perfect and kind of eat humble pie, if you will, and and not be afraid to to. Do the right thing, and, and so you can always learn from your failures. And I'd say <laughs> it, it's not easy and it's painful, but in the end, it just makes you a better business person, a better teacher, a better friend—all those things. Admit that you made a mistake and try not to worry too much or take it too seriously that you failed. You know, we all fail, and and I mean, you need to take it seriously, but don't be hard on yourself in the process. Don't. That just makes it worse, you know?
0: That's good. Are there any books or, you know, pieces of literature that you've read that have really helped kind of shape your wisdom over the years or authors you love? Um, gosh, that's a, that's a big question. And I'm looking at my bookshelf.
1: Nothing that comes to mind, except maybe, you know, there is one that comes to mind. Um, there's a book called The Success Principles. And it's by Jack Canfield, who mm-hmm. I have the pleasure of working with and a number of trainings. He actually wrote Chicken Soup for the Soul series. And uh, he came out with the success principle almost 10 years ago now. And it's just stuck with me. I reread it all the time. That's Love a, that
0: book. That's a great book. Thanks for for, for mentioning that. So I want yeah. to talk to about two kind of interesting things. One is you're not afraid to write about politics in yoga, which is... I think it's pretty cool. In one of your, your newsletters, you talked about how people were kind of asking you to refrain from talking about politics. You know, this is yoga. Yoga is where you go to escape. And you basically said, no, that's BS. I don't, I don't believe that. Can you <laughs> just talk a, a little bit about that? Yeah. Philosophy and why you believe that and how it's played out? Sure.
1: Yeah, I think that this sort of goes back to the kind of yoga that I teach and the philosophy that my yoga is based in. You know, when you're in a yoga that is trying to withdraw from the world or is all about connecting to spirit and sees being in a body as a problem or being in the world as a problem, you're going to want to use yoga as an escape. The yoga that I teach is all about engagement and engaging in the world. And in fact, the word yoga comes from the root yuj, which means to connect. It means to unite. And so we connect the absolute world with the relative world. And I think that part of a lot of people see yoga as an escape or just this, this way of like, Oh, I go to my happy place when I take yoga is that, you know, it's really painful to realize that you're a consumer, you know, that you need to eat um, plants and maybe animals or buy things or use plastic or whatever, it's painful to know that we're using the earth's resources. And so yoga is this way that we can kind of get out of having to have the guilt of being a consumer. But the fact is that we all consume, we all have to eat, we all have to use things. There's no way to to kind of get by on the planet without kind of damaging the planet in some way. Yes, it regenerates and yes, there's sustainable ways of doing it. But that's really the interesting part of yoga is how do we actually consume? How do we actually be on this planet in a conscious? Um, that's the yoga. You know, it's not to escape or to go, I don't want to be guilty of being a consumer. I don't want to be guilty. How do we do this in a really conscious way? So yoga is about engaging in the, in the world in a skillful manner. And as such, you cannot avoid politics because politics dictate what's going to happen to the planet. I mean, you look at what's happening right now in the world, you know, budget cuts to the EPA. That means we're going to have some serious consequences on the planet for pollution, for air quality, for emissions. So there's no way that you can avoid the world any more than you can avoid politics. They're just synonymous. Now, yoga can be an escape. Yoga can be this moment where you get to just be with spirit and you get to just breathe, but that should help you come back to the world with more gusto, with more passion. It shouldn't be this thing that makes you put your head in the sand. If if that's what yoga is, I want no part of it. (laughs) So anyway, that's, that's my take on, on politics. And right now we, we live in the freest country in the world with, with our democracy and it's it's just so painful to see that uh, that threatened right now when you recognize that so many countries around the world don't have that privilege and we've had that privilege for for hundreds of years and it could go in in you know in a breath it could be gone so if we don't talk about it if we don't stand up and say something right now
0: it's going to be too late yeah. we have to speak up You know, one of the things I think was interesting is is you demonstrated your political beliefs through something really interesting recently. You did this, and I want you to actually talk about how you promoted conservation and wildlife through imagery. I've seen some pictures of you swimming with manta rays and dolphins to create these positive images, but it was for a bigger cause. So can you just give us like the minute version of kind of what it was, how it came about, and, and how we can learn more about it?
1: Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as I just said, yoga, you know, yoga helps us to become more sensitive to the world around us and to nature and activism is a huge part of yoga for me. However, activism traditionally has been about showing like the blood and the gore and what's negative and like, you should be outraged and do something about this, but it doesn't, that, that technique doesn't necessarily always move the needle in the direction we need it to. And so our, our thought was, well, Can you celebrate the thing you're trying to protect? And so if we're trying to protect marine life, let's get in the water with these animals and do yoga with them and create imagery that's awe-inspiring. And so that gets shared, that goes viral. And so I started training to swim underwater and, and practice yoga with large marine animals like manta rays, whale sharks. And even now, it's like, you know, how do we promote freedom as and diversity as being beautiful things in the world. You know, we have to show the positive because people will protect what they love. They won't necessarily share what's sad and um, depressing and puts them in a state of despair. They're going to share what is exciting, you know? And so for me, for example, teaching in Jakarta recently, it's like we had a large population of Muslim yogis in the room with hijabs on their heads and, You know, it was such a celebration of diversity and the photographs and the videos from that time together really, I think, inspired people and and they could feel the joy in the room at the celebration of community. So it's it's an approach to activism, an approach to inspiring people through beauty. If that makes sense,
0: yeah. Well, can you can you just tell me a little bit more what it was like to kind of do yoga with manatees and dolphins? That sounds really cool. And I know you did some breath training, so I yeah. want to hear just a little bit about how you trained for it as well.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, it was. It's always been a dream of mine to swim with big marine life, and, and especially wild dolphins. So to actually do it was—I was like a kid in a candy shop, just so freaking excited in the water that was how it felt. And I also was just feeling like, wow, this is being photographed. This is being documented. This is going to change lives. This is going to raise awareness. So I just felt that inner sense of, yay, you know, this is a good thing. The training was definitely not enough. Like I live in Colorado, I could only ever get to 10 feet deep. There's just nothing that can replace being in the open water and being out there for eight hours a day you know, treading water and waiting for animals to come to you <laughs> that is a lot of energy so i was basically just it was the most physically taxing thing i'd ever done in my life and i'm glad i trained but nothing trains you enough where did you... you actually are out in
0: the water where exactly so, were these photos taken yeah. uh
1: different places we've done a bunch of trips now so different places but you know, Hawaii, Mexican, Caribbean, you name it. You've been all over. That's really cool.
0: Besides just (laughs) getting, you know, paying your paycheck and and kind of impacting other people, what has yoga physically and emotionally done for you on a personal level?
1: Well, I think on a physical, if I start with physical, I think that, you know, challenging myself on the mat to not only show up on a regular basis, but also to work toward different, you know, goals or uh, poses that I was trying to get has taught me perseverance. Um, It's taught me dedication and devotion and like a feeling of like not giving up, but also trusting that if I show up, that there's going to be results um, that I'll get that results that's, so physically, I think that that's um, what it's done for me, you know, besides also it makes me feel amazing physically, just, you know, getting that yoga buzz and that kind of energy sparkle all throughout the body is an incredible feeling to to maintain posture and, and uh, postural problems. I think, you know, that's just been incredible on a physical level. You know, my whole family, for example, has had orthopedic problems that have required surgery and knock on wood. I you know, I've made it this far and I've not had to have any orthopedic surgeries. So, you know, I think of that physically and then, you know, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, um, you know, a lot of that same physical perseverance, you know, helped me emotionally and mentally too. I mean, just going through loss and and betrayal and things in my life that were extremely challenging. um, I feel like I've been able to get through those with the tantric philosophy that I ascribe to, um, but also that those years and years of showing up and practicing and having perseverance also helped me to see that there could be a light at the end of the tunnel of grief or loss so that I could get through those, those times I feel like with a lot more grace and, and quicker, a little bit easier. It's helped me to hold emotions like grief and sadness and anger Simultaneously with joy and elation and freedom, you know, like to be able to laugh and cry at the same time, you know, just to hold all of the emotions you know at the same time and and I even feel like right now, like with what we're going through in the United States with our nation right now, it's like whoa, I've gone through some pretty tough times and been able to be happy at the same time, and I feel like that's that's the case right. Now, too, is that this is very, very hard on all of us right now. We're living in a state of fear, um, you know, uncertainty, and, you know, it's challenging. And I feel like, like, I've got the self care thing on lockdown, you know, I've got the I need to be on my A game thing on lockdown. Like, I'm getting enough sleep, I'm eating well, I'm making sure that I'm really on my A game. To to fight for our children's future, for example, and all of that is from having a yoga practice i can't explain exactly how, but it but it really it really is because yoga teaches you to be literally on your a game all the time for your life, is and it? so when life gets challenging and you get thrown a curveball you you know you're ready you've got to be ready at all times, so yoga prepares you for that.
0: Do you have any daily routines, yes. things you do yes. every day, no matter what, that just help you be more successful, whether it's like meditation, ways you eat, philosophies, do you do yoga every single day?
1: You know, I don't, I don't, um, in terms of practices, I really do like to vary that up. Um, one practice I love is just getting up and immediately going to the meditation cushion mm. uh, and doing a little bit of visualizing how I want my day to be. Um, as well as just sitting in stillness and, you know, kind of vibing the sunrise, I get up at sunrise every day. Um, but for sure I have to eat, you know, I just, like that happens no matter what. And I usually have a green juice and then I make a smoothie. Uh, I'm pretty, pretty simple, but yeah, Do you eat? yeah that's kind of my, my morning thing, but I like to change it up and
0: seasonally it changes too. Do you eat vegan or plant-based mostly, or do you eat all foods?
1: I am primarily primarily plant-based, and then on occasion I'll have eggs and sustainably caught fish I'll also have. But I'm pretty picky about sourcing that stuff. It's just like pasture-raised organic eggs, you know, completely sustainable fish. Okay. I'm very anal about that.
0: Good for you. I guess if you're going to be anal yeah. about something, that's a good thing to be anal about. Amy, if you yeah, could go back and tell your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would you tell her?
1: Uh, I'd probably tell her not to take herself so seriously and to not be so hard on herself.
0: That's pretty when, good advice. She went through failures or troubles or... yeah. I feel like that's good advice at any age, but at 15 we tend to be pretty self-absorbed and <laughs> take ourselves pretty seriously. Yeah, totally. Is there any great piece of advice you've received over the years?
1: Um, I have. And the biggest one is and this one I think is said a lot, but we become the company we keep, so keep great company. And that's sort of a synonym for you are the average of the, you know, the five people you spend the most time with. That has really been true for me that when I've hung out with really good people that aren't trying to sabotage my dreams and, you know, are just positive and are doing what they want to do, it really has
0: changed me. I mean, that's why I started this podcast, because of that quote. I just wanted people to listen to at least, you know, good people and spend some time with them. So thank you for that. What advice can you give to people who just want to make more money or just want to be able to make a living doing what they love and living more wildly?
1: My biggest advice would be to get around someone who's already doing what you want to do. And don't think that you can just get to where they are overnight they probably had to spend hours and hours and years and years and years studying and pursuing that thing that they're doing. Um, You've got to put in the work. You've got to put in the hours and hang out with them and learn from them and study from them and be humble until you get there. But at this age of Instagram where you can just be Insta-famous is shallow it doesn't have it does not have the the juice you've got to put in the work I have students right now who are traveling all over the world with me to learn what I know and it's exactly what I did with my teacher as I traveled all over the world to learn what he knew and those teachers they're they're going to be the best they're going to be the best. Their peers are all, all on Instagram and InstaFamous, but they're putting in the work, and they're going to be the true, you know, they're going to be the true teachers and leaders who can pass this stuff on.
0: Mm, I love that advice. you. It takes
1: time. There's just no way around it. There's no shortcut.
0: There no are shortcuts. no shortcuts, and you have to be patient. That's a, that's a lesson I'm learning right mm-hmm. now. If you could fly an eco-friendly plane across the sky and it could read one message, you know, what's your advice to the world? Oh,
1: I love that. <laughs> I think it would be to create creatively find alternatives to fossil fuel energy. Find energy find alternative sources of energy for the planet. Well hopefully this And get lots of jobs (laughs) in the process.
0: (laughs) Hopefully this plane is solar panel then. Solar powered plane. Funny. Amy, you've been excellent to talk to. I know we've just gotten a taste, but there's a lot of places to find out more about you. Can you share everywhere we can find out more about about you? Sure. Well, you can take classes with me on yogaglow.com, which is
1: G-L-O, yoga G L O.com. And then there's my website, which I'll spell for you because my last name is kind of tough. It's Amy A-M-Y-I-P-P-O-L-I-K. I. Dot com. and then if you're a yoga teacher and you're interested in online courses and in-person training for yoga teachers we're at 9090 nine monkeys.com so that's how you can find me and of course i'm on instagram and twitter and facebook and all that stuff too <laughs>
0: how do you do it all by the way how do you manage all these social media profiles Oh my God. I, I'm asking myself that question every day. <laughs> Sometimes I wish it I, would go yeah, away. You know, I,
1: it's um I use I know, it's a lot. I was just lamenting that yesterday. I use um project management software now called Asana. That's nice. really helping. But I think that I wanna find some sort of training. Like I really wanna go and get some education around it because it's definitely been a challenge for me so that's
0: that's kind of one of my goals. <laughs> You've been a treat to have on. I really appreciate it. Thanks for rallying after this magical oh, my trip pleasure. to Bali and gosh Mexico it all sounds incredible. I think we're going to all have to go check out that that ayurvedic spa. That sounds so cool. Find, for sure. Those of you who want to find Amy Polito. I will have all of her information in the show notes. You can pretty much just find her on Google, Amy Ippoliti. She is a famous traveling yoga teacher. Thanks to Prana for introducing us. And yeah, Amy, thanks again for coming on. Thanks, Prana. I hope you enjoyed this show. For those who are interested in yoga, Amy actually wrote a beginner's guide to yoga on Prana's website through Prana Stories. So definitely check that out. Or you could go to Yoga Glow where she's a teacher and there's about 3,500 videos from five minutes to 120 minutes long on yoga and meditation. So a great place to go. If you're just new to yoga, you're just starting out. If you have questions or you want to learn more, I'll have links in the show notes. Go to wildideasworthliving.com. Click on Amy's episode and there will be links to the books she's written as well as links to books she's recommend and to that kick-ass Ayurvedic spa that I'd love to go to in Bali. So definitely check out the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Thanks for subscribing. If you can, keep telling your friends it is growing like crazy, so I appreciate all the support. Sign up for the email newsletter on wildideasworthliving.com. And don't forget, some of the best adventures happen when you follow your wildest ideas. Next week, we have rock climbing legend, Chris Sharma. So stay tuned.